Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends on a brand spanking new episode of Rock Metal Combat Podcast with uh, the little bitch uh, Slobzilla and his little boyfriend uh, Brown Sabbath. Fucking quiz! You guys can go straight to hell. Fuck them. Let's get naughty. Hey, smack a gob and bang bang pizza skulls and Mexican Americans like to go to movies. It's me, Cheech, and with me is. <laughs> yeah, man. It's Chogzilla, baby. Oh, yeah. Right on. We're funny. That's right. Right on. Hey, uh, Ian, the last two episodes I put up a new intro, but we haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> like my new intro? I love the new intro. I, I mean, the, the, the Bill Wang is, is the most classic, but, uh, you, you know, we got to spread the love around, mix it up a little bit, you know? And in, in, in all honesty, uh, you know, Terrence listens to the show more than Bill Wang. <laughs> yeah, true. Terrence never misses an episode. Oh, no, he's listening right now. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Terrence. Dude, we we live like, rent free in his head, just like Sammy Hagar lives in ours. Hell yeah! You know what I want to do? I want to go to Terrence's house with a Ouija board, sum it up his mom. <laughs> hell yeah! Uh, and, and she would request we do a black metal album. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you heard any response back yet on your challenge to Terrence? Of course not. No? Mr. King of the Jungle is afraid. <laughs> really? The, the boss never got back? The boss, the boss is not back. <laughs> <laughs> boss has not got back to me. Uh, maybe Pink Panther won't get off the phone so he can't yeah. call. <laughs> oh, man. Well, here we are doing another episode. This is our second in two days recording. That is. And, uh, boy, knocking out another fan episode. We got no new uh, iTunes reviews, no new pod uh, bean reviews. What's up with that? I want to see some. So I guess uh, we'll just go straight to the news. And Ralph, you said you got a couple of stories that aren't on Blabbermouth. Fuck, I had to reboot my thing. So I don't know where it is anymore. But I, uh, if memory serves me correct, all right, I'll just wing it. All right, wing it. Some guy that's part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is being, uh, he was either arrested or something for stealing the handwritten lyrics to Hotel California from Don Henley in the 70s. And he tried to sell it now. Him and a, him and a group of people. I saw that. Yeah, so he may be getting like four to five years in jail. Oh, man. Yeah. I hope, dark uh, desert highway. Well, you know, I mean... You know, I, I, you know, I hate the Rock and Roll Fame and all, but, you know, I do kind of feel bad for him. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want him to do jail time because fuck him. But at the same time, I, I would love for him to be in the cell with the guy from Manowar so he can get some butt play. He could be the <laughs> pitcher. He can uh, join everybody else. Uh, he might be a little too old for the guy in Manowar. Um, does he have a choice? <laughs> <laughs> Well, come on, you got an Eagles fan, the guy from Man of War, they're both catchers. You need a pitcher in this equation. Yeah, that's... You know. Well, I mean, the guy's got to learn to be a man at some point. So. <laughs> Maybe one of them acts all simple, Jack, fucking the ghost of Dave Holland will fuck him. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, he was he was probably innocent though, man. That's not cool. Oh. Yeah, he denied it, man. You know the. <laughs> Well, of course, who's going to admit the tart love? Oh, well, he denied it after he was out of jail. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of situations where people are facing jail time no matter what. So if you plead guilty, even if you're not guilty, you get less time. And that was the situation with Dave Holland. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't, but there's chances he didn't, man. Like, you know, like, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you examples who did do it. Roman Polanski, <laughs> you know, uh, the Gary Glitter guy. Those guys hauled out and left out of the country. You know they're guilty, you know. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he did. I'm not saying he didn't, but it'd be. And, and also in, in KK's book, he never saw any side. And you know what, what was he in the band for? Almost ten years, and he never, never, never would have expected Dave Holland to do something like that. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hope he did it because if not, he went to jail for nothing. <laughs> well. He, either way, if he didn't do it, he went to jail for nothing. Oh. Yeah. It's a sad story. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the other story, Wendy Dio came out and said that Ronnie Dio wrote Holy Diver and Don't Talk With Strangers while in Black Sabbath, and it was supposed to be on the next Black Sabbath album. Uh, that I didn't know. So I wonder if there's, were they demoed? No, he, no, he just wrote them, you know, in, in, to intention of be, put them on the next Sabbath album, but they never get around. They never got around to demoing them, but he had them. Uh, wow. I'm sure, you know, Holy Diver, I can see sounding the same, but don't talk to strangers. I can't see it being, you know, I can't see Iomi like write riffs like Vivian did on that song. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's a. Uh... That, that's a hard call, man, because they would be totally different songs, and I, I think they're perfect just the way they are. Yeah. But if there's anybody who could, you know, change them for a positive or something equally as awesome, it would have been Geezer and Tony, you know, so. Boy, that's a, what a fucking what if, you know? Yeah. But in the end, it came out two killer songs in the Dio album, so. Yeah. Just like I said, uh, I don't know if there's actual demos or anything of Dave doing Summer Nights. Yeah, you know, that's a big mystery. You know, I, I know it was that and good enough were around, but there's no talk of them actually demoing it with Dave. But those two songs were around when Dave was in the band. Yeah. I could almost see Dave doing something with Summer Nights. You know, of course, it wouldn't be called fucking Summer Nights, you know. But, In my video. <laughs> when the gang's all here. Oh, my God. Fucking lyrics. But that goes into our next story. Uh, there's this reporter out there who said he had a relationship with Eddie Van Halen in the last five years of his life. And said he had many conversations where Eddie was just bitching and complaining about Roth. Uh, that I believe. <laughs> I totally believe that. But uh, basically the gist of it, he, he blames the inactivity towards the end of Van Halen on Roth, which that, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that one. 
And then he said that, you know, all Dave cared about is dance music. Uh, and he, he didn't like ACDC and made fun of their fans. Called them culturally illiterate. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to believe there because I think Dave and Eddie are two of the probably most, uh, you know, just horrible people to work with there could be. <laughs> I can see the challenges with both of them. And that's why the music was so good. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that, that tension worked. Some of the dance shit I could see because Dave's always been uh, responsible for that weird other side of Van Halen that made it click. And, uh, I mean, that shit goes back to even, you know, if you look at Skyscraper and what Billy Sheehan said, you know, where he wanted to take that. And that's why Billy Sheehan checked out. So I can kind of see that. But as far as, you know, the not wanting to work and the work ethic, that's something that's been said for years about Edward. You know, that he's hard to fucking get, you know, off his ass and shit. And Dave had been saying that since, you know, he left the band. And I remember during the Eat em and Smile era, Dave was saying, uh, you know, they didn't want to tour and they wanted to play stadiums. Right. And Dave was like, stadiums, you can't see my shoes, you can't hear my jokes between songs. And what did Van Hagar do? Like, of course, they can't come out of the bat with yeah. uh, Sam and Hagar to play stadiums, but the next tour they did it, you know? Yeah, but I mean, look what they had to do to do it, though. You but know. they still did it, you know? It's oh, still- yeah, they did it, but there's no way they would have been playing stadiums without that the, the package lineup. Of course. You know, just like what Motley Crue and, and Def Leppard's doing now, you know? There's no way either one of those bands could do that by themselves. The Stones can do that by themselves, you know? Uh, very few bands. Sammy Hagar Solo can do it by themselves. Yeah, Sammy Hagar Solo did do that. It just wasn't well publicized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you ask him, he'll tell you. Um, but uh, I kind of see what Dave's saying uh, about the stadium shit. There is something fun about it, just being around that many people, you know, that are all there for one reason, and that's the party and shit. But I, I get what Dave's saying about, you know, the quality of shows suffer. Um uh, you know, that was one kind of plus and minus that, you know, we dealt with in the 90s was the bands that we loved. We had to go to clubs and see them now. The days of the arena shit was over. And in a way, it was kind of sad and depressing. But, you know, in other ways, God, it was awesome to see all these bands that close. Dude, it, I'm telling you, man, even Iron Man with Blaze was badass. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the Blaze album. But man, when I saw them, and I, you know, I can't say it was a club per se, but it wasn't a theater either. You know, it was a club with two stories. And the second story uh, was empty for the main thing, you know? So it was pretty much a club capacity crowd. And then the two times I saw Ripper with Priest, Dio I saw in a club. Those were like some of the greatest shows I ever seen in my life, performance wise. Oh yeah, uh, fucking hungry, man. Yeah, Dio, I saw at House of Blues. Uh, Priest, twice I saw him with Ripper, House of Blues. Uh, I mean, even look when we saw Priest. I mean, to me, that's a glorified club. To me, you yeah, know? but dude, the, the House of Blues is like double the size of the Button South where I saw Priest and Dio. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and even Revolution, where I saw Maiden, was smaller than the House of Blues. I, I, I don't remember that. I didn't know you saw them in Blaze. Yeah, they play Fort Lauderdale, which, uh, oddly enough, coincidentally enough, opening act, Fear Factory, which this show is kind of about. Yeah. Uh, was that X Factor or yeah. Virtual 11? X Factor. They didn't come here for Virtual 11. I don't even think they toured the States. They might have. I think they, I think they did. But, at, of course, scaled back. Dude, it smoked. And Blaze was awesome. I'm telling you, he was awesome live. I mean, the song sounded better. Uh, it was just, and they were on fire, dude. They were, you know, that song to prove. It's yeah. like, fuck, man. And they had a decent stage show, considering how small that stage was. Yeah, it stood up on that stage, you know, like, kind of like the X Factor album cover, the, that weird thing Eddie was laying on, was yeah. all stage. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a badass show. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's funny as I'm talking to you. I just had a notification pop up on my computer, and it's a picture of you, and it says new suck versus suck. And I, I think it's Adrenalize versus Vangina 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and that, that goes back to our, uh, when we started talking about with this Dave Lee Roth, Eddie Van Halen story, because he's talking all this trash about, you know, Dave and what he's into and, and blaming him. But look what you get when Eddie's in total control, you know? Yeah. You get Van Halen 3. That, that's one thing Sammy Hagar said. Uh, and there's not much that comes out of his mouth that I believe. Uh, but one thing I, I was like, I think he might be telling the truth here. He said when he came in, you know, he had to take the reins. And, and fucking, you know, he kind of, you know, led, led the fucking band because they weren't going to do it. And he said, now I know how Roth probably felt and I can see how, you know, Roth took control of this band because I came in and did it. I, I also totally believe that Sammy, when it comes to Eddie firing him, because, you know, he said he was fired and Eddie said he quit. Yeah. Uh, that's bullshit. And I'll tell you why, because before that ever happened, when Howard Stern made that movie Private Parts, he, um, he went to Van Halen saying, look, I want Van Halen on my soundtrack, but it's got to be with Dave. And they said a million dollars, which means they'll do it. And this is when Sammy was still in the band. Right. They, they agreed to Because already at that time, people were sick of Sammy. You know, yeah. people were like, dude, people miss Dave. And remember the rumblings when he did come back, you know, for, you know, the uh, Welcome Back Cotter theme and all that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Dude, everybody was psyched for, you know, and, and you, you got to remember at that time was the Kiss reunion. Right. And, and how good that was doing. And yeah. I believe, I could be wrong, I believe the Eagles got back that year. Yeah. All these reunions were doing so well, and they were like, fuck. Well, the, the, the Eagles were 94. Oh. And, uh, but this was 96. But yeah, I, I think it's on YouTube somewhere. I don't think it's the greatest quality. But uh, back, remember when MTV had the Week in Rock? Yeah. And they went around to all these bands talking to them about Van Halen, you know, and Dave. And every one of them is excited, and I forget it might have been Allison Chains. Allison Chains, Billy Corgan, Lars Ulrich. I re I remember this. Oh one. yeah. Well, well, the funny thing about it was, you know, Allison Chains opened up on the Fuck Tour for some shows. Yeah. And and they said, uh, 
uh, you know, they're like, oh, yes, Dave's back. And, and one of the guys from Chains, I don't know if it was Cantrell or whatever, said, sorry, Sammy, we love you, but, you know, yeah. we want Dave. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Cantrell that said that. You know, and it, and, it, and it just proves now, you know, what's still important. I just saw uh, this thing the other day about uh, Walmart just did this new exclusive. It's a box set that's the first six on vinyl. And it's pretty neat. Each album comes with a uh, with a replica of a Van Halen uh, tour pass from that tour and shit. Yeah, I was hoping it was so funny. I was watching the first one was from my favorite venue in the world, the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. Uh, but I was hoping one of them was going to be like Hollywood Sportatorium, you know, yeah, for, right. for you. But it, but it wasn't. But apparently, just to let people know. Uh, if you do order this, it looks very nice, and it's just it's regular black vinyl, you know, none of the colored shit or anything. Uh, there has been some complaints about uh, Van Halen One and an issue on Jamie's crying, um, but I don't know if that was isolated to one batch. This guy made a whole video about how he got three different copies, and all of them had an issue on Jamie's crying, but they were a little bit different. So I don't know if that's something that'll be eradicated. But anyway, it just goes to show you that even after Edward's death, you know, the shit they're putting out now is still the classic <laughs> shit that sells to this day. Yeah. You know, there's nobody fucking, nobody clamoring for that fucking Sammy shit. No. You know, except, except the Sammy fans. You yeah. know? Except for Mark and Bushy, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't even think they want it. You know, I don't even think they'd buy the vinyl box set. They're like, eh, no. Never uh, underestimate Mark Alden Taylor. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't think you could sell that many corn dogs to buy a, a four-record box set. Look, anybody out there like Mark Allen Taylor or anybody else that snorts whiskey will buy that Van Hagar album. Yeah. And you know what I would love, though? I would love put up the sales. Go ahead, release that shit, and then put up the sales of a of a six-pack box set and, and uh, you know, two beers short and, and see what fucking sells better. And, you know, the Hagar wouldn't be cheaper. It's less, it's less fucking albums. Yeah, and less and, music. Uh, <laughs> less music quality. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it would fucking, it wouldn't even be close. And I bet you that's why Sammy's not bitching about it because, <laughs> I mean, really, how embarrassing would that be after all the shitty talk? Oh, they all went to number one. All right, well, let's put up a box set of the, the originals and then your crap, see what sells more. Get back well, to the number one, and they sold more. <laughs> yeah, and then you saw they all sold less than the one before, too. That yeah. is true. Yeah, it was a decline on sales. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and, and another funny thing is, you know, you still, you got two albums in the original catalog that combined sold more than the whole fucking number one album era, you know? And it'd be like you, you release an album now uh, that goes to number one. You know, you got to sell, you know, nowhere near close to what you used to have to sell to when people bought physical media, you know? And then you look, you know, how Van Halen rose and, and, and what kept them from, you know, the number one before, you know, Thriller. I mean, come on. Yep, you know? you're right. You know, and so fuck it. But uh, you know, I, I don't I don't discredit what this uh, what this guy says that Eddie said. I believe Eddie said this shit. 
but you know it is what it is now did Dave talk shit about ACDC I don't know I, 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 I don't know and he said he, he didn't call ACDC fans culturally illiterate he called Eddie culturally illiterate yeah <laughs> and that I love like right after that he said pray for the troops <laughs> you know, just like change the subject. Fucking kooky ass Dave. <laughs> I know. And Eddie did say that Dave's fucking crazy as shit. Now that I believe. Oh yeah, that's that, that's true. That I believe. I believe <laughs> Listen to Dave's thoughts. Yeah. You, you know what? And and that could be another issue with Dave. You know, everybody talking about this health issue, man. Maybe it's not fucking you know, cancer or something. Maybe it's senility. <laughs> you know? Who knows? That dude did years of fucking drugs, man. You know? Oh, yeah. I know uh, Earl personally. My friend Juliet. You see, my friend Juliet, at, uh, she was married to a guy that owned a cigar shop on Ocean Drive. Yeah. And Dave would go in there and do blow with them. She got <laughs> she showed me a picture with her and Dave. Oh. Uh. And uh, he said, like, man, he was always, you know, chatty and, you know, cool and everything. But once he did blow, like his bottom jaw would shake and he wasn't talking much he was like grinding his teeth and shit but man he goes boy that guy loves blow man he was like always coming by doing blow and he was so cool to us and shit and we, you know we we got the blow from you see at one time david lee roth lived on south beach and dude there was several times that i've had either friends or people i know in stores that, dude i saw dave oh dave came in my store i kept missing him and uh, I, and and somebody told me he lived in a in a uh, it was a condo that had an uh, underground garage, but there's like fucking twenty of them or thirty of them on South Beach. I always walked around looking. <laughs> my friend found him, man, and then um, uh, uh, my friend Greg, dog, he, he never showed me a picture, but I do believe. Say, Dave, you know you have a disposable camera with him. Can I get a picture? And Dave goes, "That's what I live for." <laughs> and he goes he took the picture and and he's like thanks dave i really love you and he's like and he goes i love your music again and dave looks at him and goes right on, i gotta go <laughs> he just walked away and, shit. and i was like man i want an encounter like that with dave let him blow me off i get a little picture with him you know but yeah, yeah he, he lived on south beach. did it you know that's awesome yeah he, he lived on south beach for like two years or something man it was around like before filthy little mouth around that era yeah. I never got to meet him. I saw that tour, though. I saw the tour, and talking of Button South, that little tiny club, he played there in 94, yeah. this little tiny club, and it was great. He did a great show. You know, a little heavy on your filthy little mouth, but, you know, it wasn't bad, dude. He did Unchained, but my favorite part of that whole show is when he goes, Sammy Hagar, you're number one, and he shoots up the, the middle finger. <laughs> now, was was that Terry Gil Kilgore on that tour? Yeah, Terry Kilgore. How was he? He was awesome. He was really? awesome. Okay. You know, you can actually, not from that show, but you can see a bootleg of that tour uh, at a club online. I think it was in Chicago. That was really good, dude. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that got past me uh, because I was, you know, in the Chicago area at that time. Uh, 
you know, but it must have been that's how bad it did that I didn't fucking hear about it, you know. Or maybe it wasn't Chicago, you know, I, I, I was thinking it is. Well, I'm sure everybody plays Chicago, you know. You, you do a tour, everybody plays New York, Chicago, L.A. I mean, those are the three standards, and then it's where you go from there. But uh, I didn't hear anything about it. Um, but, you know, I saw him in Chicago on the Little Ain't Enough tour, and then I saw him again you know when i moved to florida but you know those were those were bad not not bad shows but i mean uh you know one was at a glorified bar one was at uh universal studios just like an outdoor thing like a summer concert series uh i think i saw uh another house of blues show then saw the sam and dave tour uh, that was at uh, West Palm. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 we probably walked right past each other in the beer garden during uh, during yeah, Hagar. Yeah, I was drinking beer then. <laughs> I was uh, that show. I got a picture of me at that show with my friend Goofy. Oh, I was man. wearing a Kiss shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, yeah back, I, I, back then, Kiss cards weren't on full point. <laughs> yeah, I... I broke probation to go to that show. I wasn't supposed to leave the county. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, allegedly, allegedly a DUI, but it got reduced to reckless because I had a damn good lawyer. Um, <laughs> but I'm still on probation, and I even made, I made a comment to somebody. I was like. Yeah, I ain't even supposed to be here, man. I'm on probation. <laughs> Shut up, don't say that. <laughs> I'm like, who gives a fuck? <sighs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's a shame that's the way their relationship was and they couldn't connect more. Uh, but, the, you know, it's the music that matters. And, and I think it's even evident, you know, Eddie apparently bitched about uh, different kind of truth, but I mean, goddamn, listen to the results. You know, I think they speak for themselves. And to me, there's nothing dance music about that fucking album. You know? But, you know, the uh, if you listen to Van Halen, a lot of that music was kind of danceable, and I think David Lee Roth had a lot of input on it. Like, Dance the Night Away, Jamie's Crying. Music. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of songs that were like hard rock dance music. Oh no, I, I agree, but that's what made it work, you know. Love again, you know. You know, and and then you get Sammy takes it into the fucking you know just commercial air supply, you know, Ario Speedwagon vein. But again, then you get to Van Halen three. That is pure Eddie. Might as well be an Eddie solo album. And look how fucking horrible that is. Yeah, dude. Like like you just said, that suck for suck. I sat through it, and holy crap. But you know, I don't, I don't get people who are like, oh yeah, yeah, Van Halen, whatever. But well, what about Gary Strong? I was like, dude, it still sucks the same. I don't think it's worse. It's still the same shit. I mean, it may sound different, but it sucks just the same. It I don't know. Sucks. I don't know. I would almost say I think the Sharon album's even worse than the Hagar shit. Uh, I didn't. It didn't to my ears. I mean, it sounded like the same crap. Yeah. And, and, and Sharon sang like Sammy a lot in a lot of those songs. Yeah, no, I, th- that I, I thought for sure. I remember 
I remember right where I was at in Florida driving home from work when uh, they premiered Without You, and I was like, God, he's pulling a fucking Sammy right there, you know? But... Fucking terrible. Yeah, but it's horrible, but, but, but I mean, that was 100% Eddie, so you see what he did by himself, you know? Yeah. And, well, and you see where where Dave can go by himself, too. You know, look what happens the further he got away from a Ted Templeman, from a Steve Vai. You know, these were two guys that fucking needed each other. Big time. Big time. You know, the same way with with Jagger and Richards and McCartney and Lennon. Yeah, you know. They yeah, they all done some good stuff by themselves, but you, you don't get that magic unless the two of them work together. So. Yeah, but you know, I mean Dave at his worst was still better than Sammy event Hagar music. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, his worst is definitely you know, and that, that's you know, people talk about uh you know, the deterioration of Dave's voice and everything and I would still take a croaking Dave over Sammy at his peak. You, you know, know I go ahead. It's a more entertaining show. You know what I saw yesterday and Dave sounded awesome. And I've never seen this footage before. Uh he was on Howard Stern's doing an acoustic set. And this I was during, yeah, this was during the Sam and Dave tour. He sounded amazing. He sounded really good on that shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has he has his nights, man. You know, sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off. He was on that night at West Palm. He was totally on. Oh yeah. And and it was so funny seeing how hard Sammy tried. He had a bar on stage with hundreds of people dancing around. I mean, he tried so hard. David Lee Roth came out with like a bare stage with just yeah. lights and just destroyed him. How did yeah. he destroy him? With the goddamn music. All he yeah. did was classic Van Halen. Well, it's, what's that quote from Dave? He said, uh, you know, Sammy throws the party. He goes, I am the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And, you know, a lot of truth to that. Going from me to you like going from speedball to milkshake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Let's, let's see if uh, I'm going to update Blabbermouth here. And... Oh, there he is. Sammy Hagar. <laughs> he pokes his head out. Sammy Hagar says, if Dimebag and Vinny were still alive, me and Mikey would be in Pantera, and they would sell a lot more records. Oh man! Then, then the original Pantera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these albums would go to number one. You know, Pantera only had one number one album, but yeah. they would they would all go to number one if Sammy was in the band. Could you could you imagine those Pantera ballads? <laughs> <laughs> not not this love. It's like you know, I love. <laughs> How do I know this love? Yeah. <laughs> you take this love and give it back to me, baby. <laughs> Only time will tell if we stand the test of time. Walk on homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> He'd say it homeboy. Walk on homeboy. Walk walk on in boy. <laughs> walk in my closet, boy. Oh fuck. Alright, well you got any other news stories? Nah, oh, I, I, I got something for you. I got to tell you about. I got to tell you about a new fan that you got. Oh. You're, you're, you're going to laugh at this. Mrs. Wadley. Oh, really? 
Yeah, she came to me the other day, and it's so funny. Uh, you know, I had like like even my mom, you know, for the little bit she listened to the show. She's like, I like you, but that Ralph guy. But I noticed, you know, it's like people like me, they don't get how we play off of each other and how we rag on each other. Right. So they don't know how to take it. And she goes, yeah, at first I didn't like the way Ralph talked to you and blah, blah, blah. She goes, but he's really funny. And I, I love <laughs> I love the way you guys work together. She's obsessed with the show. Oh, that's I, I, and and uh, but yeah, now now she's uh, she's one of your biggest fans. Well, so. and I I want I didn't want to tell you this. I was gonna have your wife break it to you, but I, I guess I'll do it. Um, <laughs> she uh, actually talked to Terrence. Oh shit! Yeah, she was planning on us breaking up, and then she was gonna take your spot. <laughs> so, so that's how Terrence got the news from Mrs. Wadzilla. Oh, now I know where the leak is. Exactly. Because <laughs> you, you know, you're you know, God bless her. I'm nothing against her, but Jesus Christ, she thinks I'm funnier than you. Jesus. What are well, you? No, 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 no. She didn't say you were funny oh, to me. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> but no, funny, she, but not funnier than you. No, uh, well, she she is she is a big fan of yours, and she said she was listening to an episode. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and she couldn't remember what you said, but she said you just had her laughing out like loud, like crazy in the car. And she said, "God damn, just the way you two work together and bounce off each other." She's like, "It's it's just incredible." And I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, man, we got all our all you know we ripped Terrence and friends off. Yeah, you well, know, <laughs> I'm saw- Terrence and you're his friends. <laughs> I made a post today about how, you know, I was like, I put up an episode today that we recorded last week. We recorded a show last night that I'm going to put up tomorrow. We're recording a day and maybe the day after. And uh, Mark Allen Taylor said, oh, oh, well, I see ripping off Freeform. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, we steal everything from Freeform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what song do you like off this album so we can play it now in? <laughs> so everybody wait five minutes till this song's over and we'll get back into the show <laughs> but I, I was just I was laughing at uh, what you brought up in the in the last episode where Terrence said he had inside information yeah. that we were about to break up again and I was thinking about it today just laughing and I was like you know what it, it's, it's crazy because we're in the midst of doing a lot of albums we really don't want to talk about. <laughs> but I don't think we've ever been happier or got along better than we have been lately, you know, since we've gotten back together. Right. I, I, I think both of us, this is the happiest we've ever been. We've had the most fun doing this show, even in like these weird circumstances, weird albums we're talking about. And, you know, I just can't wait. We're going to do one tomorrow that we want to do. And, uh, you know, it's just, I've never been fucking happier with this show. So it, it's so funny that, uh, that's the inside information. But then again, he also heard, uh, you know, I got Mark Allen Taylor kicked off of Facebook. I wish I had that much power. It's so funny <laughs> because that idiot actually thinks by him saying that you had him kicked out of Facebook, that finally Mark will wake up and stop being your friend. <laughs> Yeah, and we can sit here and bash fucking Mark and goof on him and make us. But Mark knows he's our friend. And Mark you loves know? us, man. We love yeah. him. Mark as much as we goof on him, we love the guy. Yeah. 
But you know, come on, how can we not call him out with his shenanigans? Yeah, he's a funny man. He's, he a funny is a, man. he's funny in a way poised is funny. <laughs> he's, not, he's not trying. I mean, what he says, it's not funny, but his demeanor is hilarious. <laughs> he's like the worst stand-up comic ever. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just, but he thinks he's good, so that makes it funny. And, and, <laughs> and, and he's only funny to retarded people like me and you. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> we love oh. it. It goes crazy and shit. <laughs> I remember when you were texting me about the the video of him uh, snort snort the whiskey and stuff, and or I think you called me and you were just like in tears almost. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh god, and then he kept doing it, and that that video where he spills the booze on his computer, yeah, on his keyboard and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he spills it all over his keyboard. Then he lifts his keyboard. You see all this water pouring out of it. Uh, and but it's just so I, the, the shit that he will do to get people to watch and pay attention. Uh, and, no, and then, yeah, go ahead. We're the opposite because we do albums that make nobody listen. <laughs> yeah, and yet they listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what I love the most about his snorting whiskey videos is like, how, the reaction he gets when that shit hits his brain, like that shit is so legitimate. He's like, wow, like a such a rush. <laughs> and like, like he did it the first time, and you saw how fucking brutal it was to him. What did he do the second time? He grabs two straws, one for each nostril. <laughs> That's funny. So I put in the in the tagline, and when I was sharing uh, this last episode on Facebook, I put plus. You know, what would a Van Hagar fan do if they walked into a bathroom and all that was available was a urinal? Yeah. And of course, of course, Mark answers, goes, he goes, I'd take a piss. And I wrote back, I go, in your dress? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, all over my strap on. I was like, point proven. Yeah. Point proven. <laughs> hey, you know, here's my impression of Mark. I like Sammy, but you know, Dave is Van Hagar. Okay, Dave had the charisma, but I still like Sammy. Dude, I tell you, if I had a nickel for every time he said that, I'd have about $525.45. <laughs> and then you got Lee chiming in. I'm partial to Chuck Mangione. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee rules, dude. Lee called me yesterday. He actually called me and uh -huh. said, uh, I got a lot of jazz CDs. <laughs> that I would like to send you. I was like, well, Lee, I'm not really a big jazz fan. And I had Ruben coming by. I said, I'll give it to Ruben. Boom, <laughs> well, when I send it to him, let him know it's from me. Of course <laughs> I will, Lee. Lee's awesome. I'm on the coal train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lee rules. He want, uh, <laughs> Lee, Lee, another thing, reason he called me yesterday, he wants to, you know, I did a track by track with him on his uh, show, uh, you know that Pete Townsend album I'm, I'm fucking obsessed with? Yeah. He me to put it against some, I don't know, there's some fucking solo artist from 71 that I never <laughs> heard of and shit. And now he wants to do another one. I can't remember who one of them was. It, there were two chick bands. One of them, I don't remember the girl, but going against, get this, get ready for this, Ashley Simpson. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, Ashley Simpson's like, it's actually good. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, Lee, I'll study them both, you know. <laughs> I would like you to do Herb Alpert versus Kenny G. 
<laughs> yeah, he knows better not to ask me <laughs> instruments you blow into, artists. No, he knows he doesn't have the money to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When that man sells plasma, it's for vodka. <laughs> not track by tracks. And a big old jug of vodka, that cheap. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck it. We might as well get into this album. Oh, boy. And this one is for one of my favorite people in the whole world. Adam Marshall. Yeah. Ooh. Boy, did he let me down on this. We got two Adam Marshall uh, episodes coming up. This one and another one that I, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that one either. Uh, I'm just like, God damn, people picking some weird fucking shit. But you know what? They're money. They're fucking money. If they want to ruin the show in our ratings, that's on them. That's <laughs> audience killed the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but the great Adam Marshall, who, let me tell you first and foremost, if you're ever going to spend $500 on a long distance phone call, he's the guy to do it with. <sighs> Man, that was a lot of money. Poor bastard had to listen to me drunk as shit for like four hours. Uh, but he wanted to hear the debut album from. Uh, Geezer Butler's GZR project. And what's really funny is, you know, it was spelled just GZR. Most people called it uh, Geezer, but Geezer, when interviewed about it, would say the name is pronounced GZR. Now, how the fuck you get GZR from GZR? I don't know. Well, you know, if you weren't Sabbath during the Volume Four era, <laughs> you're 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 mentally impaired for the rest of your life. Yeah, I can see that. But uh, you know, I remember when this was coming out um, was you know around the time of Osmosis, and I actually saw, and I believe you saw this tour too. Ozzy did a club tour before the Osmosis tour. No, I didn't see that. I saw oh. a theater, theater tour of No More Tears. Oh, okay. Well, I saw the the, the, the short club tour. He called it the Retirement Sucks Tour because Never Say Die was the, you know, No More Tours tour. And then he did a Retirement Sucks Tour of theaters uh, before he went to the, the bigger venues. And I saw him at the Aragon Ballroom. I remember it was a dead of winter. Fucking cold as shit. And, uh... You know, when going to the Aragon, you didn't, it didn't matter what time of year it was, you didn't want to wear a jacket. Because once you got in, it was going to be fucking hot as fuck. And, you know, then what are you going to do with your fucking jacket, you know? Uh, so I remember staying outside, they were like snotsicles. It was so fucking cold. Uh, but got in, and at this time, Geezer was playing bass for him. And, uh, and Fear Factor, Fear Factory, uh, opened up the show, and I remember they went over like a fucking Led Zeppelin, and and then not the band, the actual Led Zeppelin. Um, nobody liked it. I mean, it was just like, what the fuck is this crap? And you know, that's why I was so surprised that he picked, uh, you know, Burton C. Bell to be the singer on this. But then it makes sense, you know, he's probably the one who got Fear Factory opening up. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I didn't buy this album at the time, and I didn't buy it because of seeing Fear Factory. I didn't know anything. I'd heard of them, but I didn't hear anything, and I saw them, and I thought they were so fucking horrible. Uh, but the funny thing is, then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I saw them at OzFest, and I didn't think they were that bad, and I bought an album of theirs, and I liked a couple songs, but overall, I, I couldn't sit there and listen to a whole fucking album of it. But, uh, you know, and then I bought the next one, and it was the same thing. I liked one or two songs, but, you know, I could never put it on from start to finish. I guess I'm just not a Fear Factory fan. Are you? Uh, no, but I do love Souls of the New Machine, the very first one. Yeah. No, I haven't heard that in eons, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. I thought it was very fresh and new at the time. And then D-Manufacturer came out, I bought that, and I kind of felt like you did. I, I liked some of it, but it just wasn't as good. And then, you know, I saw them open for Maiden, and I saw them open for Megadeth and Korn. Korn wasn't even popular yet. Korn, it was Megadeth, Korn, uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, and Fear Factory. So it was like, yeah. and they were wow. terrible. And that was during the first album. So I was excited to see them, and I thought they were horrible live. And yes. and I just, uh, you know, I I don't put on that. And just like this GZR, dude, I haven't put this on in forever. I've owned it since it came out because it's Geezer Butler. And you know, I'm a big Sabbath fan. Oh, Geezer's putting out a solo. I'm, I'm gonna go buy it. And man, I haven't heard this forever. And I did like it quite a lot back then. And now, after not listening to it for so long very rare that i kind of changed my mind on shit that i once loved but yeah this one was uh i still love some of it but then some of it was like man i like this i like this at one time wow. wow well i like i said i never got this one i bought the next album um black science came out two years later in 97. um I did that as a blind buy same thing just because it's geezer and i knew burton wasn't singing on it so i was like well let me try this and while it's far from a perfect album, there's some songs on it I really like a lot. But overall, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think any of it's good lyrically, like, you know, Geezer's old lyrics. And it's pretty much a project between him and his nephew, uh, Pedro, uh, Pedro House. Pedro de Baca. Yeah. Mexican-Americans don't like to get up in the morning, but they have to, so they do it very slowly. I didn't know your name was Alex, man. Mexican-American! <laughs> um, but, uh... Oh, wait, wait, Ian, let me let yeah. me cut you off. Okay. Did you know that the Cheech and Chong second movie has a different version? Yes. You I know, didn't know that. It's on YouTube now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know there, there was two versions of it. Yeah, you can see it on YouTube now. And for years and years, that was my favorite. When I was a kid, that was my favorite one. I loved it. I loved it. I still love it, but Up and Smoke has always been my favorite. Yeah, I would say Up and Smoke now. I remember uh, I went and saw Nice Dreams at the theater. And I, I love Nice Dreams, too. <laughs> yeah, I saw them all at the theater and still smoking as well. I'll be on Good Movie Memories talking about Up and Smoke soon. Oh, nice. The great Brian Davis. I saw... I didn't see Still Smoking at the theater. I did see uh, Things Are Tough All Over. I saw at the theater. 
And I saw the Corcus and Brothers <laughs> at the theater, too. Oh, God. And I like the Corcus. I, I mean, I don't know. i got to watch it now. But as a kid, I loved Corcus and Brothers. Because that was the funny thing about Cheech and Chong was, you know, I mean, I'm seeing these movies at like seven and eight years old at the theater. I didn't get half the drug humor. Well, actually, I should say I got none of the drug humor. But I still laughed my ass off at Cheech and Chong. You know, they, they still made me laugh. So Quirkus and Brothers didn't bother me as much as, you know, if I would have came up with them in the 70s and all, you know, the drug culture and all that shit. You know, you know I can see. When, when Up and Smoke first came out, I went to the theater with a tape recorder and recorded it, audio. <laughs> and, I, and I would listen to that tape over and over again. And the tape was awesome. Because, you yeah. you know, the laughter and shit with the laughing of the audience. Oh, yeah. I, I saw every Cheech and Chong movie in the theater, but I stopped. I was still smoking, so I didn't see Red Beard or Corcus and Brothers. I didn't Corcus see and Brothers, yeah. Yellow Beard? Yeah, Yellow Beard. Well, it wasn't a Cheech and Chong movie, but yeah, I saw Yellow Beard in the theater, too. Yeah, I didn't uh, see that in the theater. I just stopped at Still Smoking. Still Smoking had its moments, but boy, that was kind of rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I liked, uh, and I just watched it uh, probably about a year ago, was... Uh, Things are tough all over. You know, I like hairpiece. I have yeah. hairpiece on my head. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 what was it? The Iranians or something after them or something? Yeah, yeah. I got I love, How come nobody requested a Cheech and Chong album? <laughs> and, I, and I have them all. I grew up on oh, shit. I love Cheech and Chong. I got all those fucking records from a kid. I used oh. to love that fucking. I, I was obsessed with Cheech and Chong as a kid. Back in my uh, I, I, uh, I don't know if I told you on this that I actually smoked uh, a joint made with the big bamboo pit. Uh, oh, I pit. did too. It was and it was thick. terrible. It was too thick. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Oh well. This one, when I did it, it was in the '90s, and it was falling apart. I mean, this was an original, of course. You know, the glue wasn't holding, of course. Oh my god. Yeah, we did the same thing with a pound of weed. Yeah. I mean, not a pound, an ounce. We, we rolled up a whole ounce and it was, oh my god, because the, the paper's too thick. You know, when I went on tour, I think it was like 2014, I found a copy in, in uh, uh, god damn it, in North Carolina with the paper in it. So I do still have, I have my big bamboo with the, with the original paper in it. And it was cheap. I think it cost me like 12 bucks. Oh man! Yeah, I have it. I still got that. I got them all: wedding album, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Los Cochinos, the first one. They're all great. They're all great. Come on, man! Let me in, man. Yeah. Dig that here, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on, but, man! I gotta take a shit. <laughs> it was my Black Sabbath, man. My old lady ripped it off. Hey, you remember, she was my old lady when she ripped it off. <laughs> Wake up, Strawberry! <laughs> Love it. Sergeant Stadinko. Ass! <laughs> Sister Mary Elephant. <laughs> you know you know they made a movie, an animated movie to all those... Yeah, I, I didn't see it. Is it good? It's great. I have it. I have it on uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, they yeah. got a lot of those skits from the albums and made it and made animation out of it. Yeah, I was I was curious about. It. I, I I saw it one time like at Walmart, and I should have picked it up. It, it's worth getting though. Yeah, I think it's worth getting. I saw it in the theater. 
It actually, oh, nice. it was a limited run, and yeah, I ran out and watched it. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Stripes was originally supposed to be Cheech and Chong going to the army. That I did not know. Yep, and and uh, they ended up. One of them didn't want to do it. I can't remember if it was Cheech or Chong, but they didn't want to do it, and then it became it turned into a Bill Murray project. You know, I saw. Speaking of stripes, I saw stripes on the first showing on the first day. Uh, I did too. Yeah, right when I mean, well, it was twelve in the afternoon on the first day. I went and saw that movie. Classic. Man. I remember going to see it with my dad and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's sister and husband and they were just appalled that my dad had brought me to it <laughs> you know like i'm gonna bring a kid to this you know and they they kept like looking at me during the movie and i'm just laughing i fucking love it i love stripes. yeah what, what's the problem with me bringing this kid to this fucking movie i take him to porn shops <laughs> yeah exactly that was a few years later but yeah yeah you, you got a point <laughs> Well, he would take me up to the porn shop by taking the sea stuff. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny, man. I used to go to the porn shop and, uh, you know, I'd sit there and look at Hit Parader and all that shit, you know? Of course, I would look at all the, you know, the other ones and stuff, but, you know, I couldn't, like, pull it out and, you know, look at it, look at it, but I, I'd look at all of them and, God. I, I you know, it, it's just weird, you know, I look back and, and it seemed perfectly normal in my childhood. It's <laughs> just like, hey, something I'm doing with dad. But I'm sitting there with like all these weirdo degenerates in a port, porn shop slash coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, that's run by a guy in AA who <laughs> doesn't drink or anything. But uh, you can sit there, buy coffee and look at porn. Nice. It was just filled with like dirty old men who would sit there and smoke cigars and fucking, you know, cigarettes and stuff. And, do you remember the name of the, the shop? Yep, Mickey's Bookstore. Mickey's Bookstore. And and I wonder I wonder if it's still there. I, I I think I remember one time when I went back home in the mid '90s. You know, I just drove by to see if it, and it was still there. But actually, I I doubt it is. You know, because in this day and age, you know, everybody stays at home. You know, and watches porn for free. You know, we we grew up in an era where there was adult video stores or there was video stores that had that back room <laughs> that you'd have to go into. Yeah. yeah. I remember, and I don't know what it was, but I would always get excited with like when I became of age that I could go rent pornos. Um, I would get excited every time I walked in the back and I would have to shit. I don't know what it was, but I walked back there like, ah, damn it, I got to shit now. <laughs> you know, so I'd have to come back out of the dirty movie room, ask for the key to go to the bathroom at the video store. <laughs> you know, uh, my ex-guitar player, he uh, used to take his girlfriend to a porn shop that had like a little glory hole in the back. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, one guy was like all weirded out because he's like, dude, I'm not going to stick my dick in that hole if you're in that room with her. You you gotta walk out, dude. I ain't gonna do that with her. And he's like, yeah, but I wanna watch. You're like, no, no, forget that. Because they were trying to get somebody to stick a dick in their hole, but this one guy refused to do it because he thought this guy was gonna suck him off. I had a guy in Florida took me to a dirty bookstore uh, that showed the movies. 
you know, you could go in the rooms and watch the movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, he took me there to try to cheer me up. I was going through a breakup, and I was in a really bad place. He's like, he goes, I know what'll cheer you up. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, just get in the car and go. And we were road loaded. We pull up there, and I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, watch some porno. You'll feel better, kid. You know, he was an older guy. He was from uh, Buffalo, New York, and he was friends with uh, Claude Schnell from Dio. Oh wow! Yeah, he knew him from the, from the Buffalo days. He knew he knew Billy Sheehan. Uh, you know, he said he used to go to the bars all the time and watch Talus and shit. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, he fucking and, and I was broke as shit at the time, man. I think I was making minimum wage, and he gi- he gives me a couple bucks. He goes. He goes, go to the theater, watch a movie, jack off, kid. You'll feel better. And he goes, <laughs> and I remember him giving me a couple bucks, and he's pushing me in the room. He goes, but lock the door, because old perverts will try to come in here and suck your dick. And I'm like, I'm like what? Well, you know, and, he, and he's saying that, like, that's like the final words before he pushes me in and shuts the door. So I'm sitting in there, and it's gross, man. It's just dead. Like, the floor's sticky. There's fucking, like, you know, dirty fucking Kleenex on the floor. And then there, there was a machine you stuck the dollar bills into, and it, it almost looked like a bingo thing where you could, uh, you know, you would pick numbers. You put your money and then you pick numbers and it would show different movies and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? So uh, I'm like, all right, fuck it, you know, win in Rome. I'm here. So I put the money in and press it. And you, you could like change your mind. Like if you didn't like the video, you had like a certain amount of time. And you could hit this, you know, so, you know, find something I like. And I'm sitting there watching it. And I was like, okay, all right. So I'm kind of getting into it now. Getting a little, little fucking feeling a little randy. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I jerk off. The, 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 the minute I sit there and I fucking pull it out like I'm going to jerk off, the door starts rattling. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. I got all scared. I put it away, zipped it up, and I got the fuck out of there. And I just, I went out into the main part where it was all like magazines, movies, and dildos and waited for him to come out of his booth and shit. But I always wondered, was it him trying to fuck with me and scare me or was it something like dirty old man wanting to come in there and fucking, you know, you know. Probably was a pretty old man, yeah. (laughs) I don't know how the fuck we got on this. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) But it beats talking about this fucking album. <laughs> but that is the genius of our show that we can take a shitty album and go to Cheech and Chong and Jack and Off and Porno Theaters. <laughs> that that is what we do best, and that that's why we got kicked off the alternative station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you talk about anal lingus on your show? Sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Us. <laughs> sure did. Might have that. Well, don't do that again. Uh, <laughs> and to a testament to our show, I'm like, I can't promise that. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're talking about the glorification of, of Asslegan. <coughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, no shit. It, it feels so good. Yeah, literally, no shit. We clean it really good. <laughs> Uh, really, I mean, is there any other podcast out there that, that's talked about this? I doubt it. No, we have no shame. <laughs> I want a trendy now. Are you serious about this? 
I am. You're serious about this. Well, I mean, come on. I, I'm all man. I, I don't want to fuck a tranny, and I don't want to suck a tranny's dick or do anything. But, man, some of these trannies look hotter than the girls I date. So, yeah, I'll get a head from a tranny. Why not? Right on. <laughs> I think Podbean's going to fucking get rid of us now. <laughs> no, they can't because that would be, you know, they got to stay woke. Yeah, and, and, and then again, you know, uh, uh, Freeform... Freeform's on Podbeam. They're way more offensive. Yeah. That would be great, though. Let them fucking try. We take this shit to the Supreme Court, and we finally make money off this fucking show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? That would be great. We were censored because all he wants is a man to suck its cock in a dress. Well, oh, come on. It's a man. A she-man. Yeah. Whatever. I'll be asleep at night. <laughs> My latest favorite uh, jerk-off porn videos. Hey, I, I mean, who am I to judge, you know? Hey, man, look, there's nothing hot than a real hot female fucking a real hot chick. Man, those are my favorite porns now. I have nothing to hide, dude. Yeah, hey, man, you get the real deal here. Everybody else would never admit to that. I don't give a flying fuck. I've gotten to the point in my life, dude, that, you know, I'm already fucking. I'm way past the halfway mark. I don't give a fuck, dude. I live in a house where I pay all the bills. Nobody helps me. With nothing, I I am my own fucking bread. I do everything myself. What the fuck do I have to lose? A potential future girlfriend? Hey, give me a tranny. <laughs> Hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. You're talking about uh, you live in a house where you pay all the bills. Uh, let me put up some pictures so Terrence can understand what this is. You're, you're going over his head right now. He still won't get it. <laughs> let me put up subtitles. He still won't understand it. <laughs> the only thing Terrence will understand when he sees an Amazon package in front of my door. <laughs> which I which which daddy doesn't pay for, by the way. And it's usually not paid for. Oh, I, I wish I had his address. I, I would like order something from Amazon. I would keep the box and then shit in the box and send it yeah. and resend it to his house. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's the new Pink Floyd single. Yeah, here's here, here's the new David Gilmore solo. Um. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, we're all over the place, but we can't avoid this. We have to talk about this fucking album. All right, Why don't all you right. The first track. What's it called? A catatonic eclipse. Yeah, catatonic eclipse. Uh, what the fuck? How is this possibly worse than Fear Factory? I don't know, but it is. Uh, Geezer should have let Ozzy write this. <laughs> That's how uh, bad this is. And, you know, before anybody wants to shit all over, um, you know, you, you listen to this, you're like, oh, what the fuck, you know, and blame it on Fear Factory and, and Burton Bell. All of this was written by Geezer and Pedro House, the guitar player. Burton was just brought in to sing on it. He had zero involvement with any of the the music writing, the lyric writing. Uh, I mean, I'm not a fan of the the performance on this, but you can't blame him, you know. Uh, but man, is it is it just fucking? It just sounds like an amalgamation of so many bands, but like the worst aspects of all said bands. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's like a lot of times, you know, Faith No More, unfortunately, gets blamed for a lot of new metal. 
but you know, new metal took like certain aspects and just like went in retarded fucking directions with it. Uh, and this is a prime example, but you hear elements of uh, industrial shit of new metal, uh, but let me see, and some piss poor production. It doesn't even show who produced this. And I don't have a copy to look at, but... Uh, Pedro de Paco. Yeah. <laughs> Got a sister named Debbie and a brother-in-law named Jeff. Uh, but uh, it, it, it sounds... It sounds horrible. But, you know, in the defense... Uh, you know, the next album doesn't sound much better sonically. I like it a lot better. Li- uh, uh, you know, the singer, Clark Brown, I like a lot better. But, I mean, the, the musicians on this... You know, you got Bernd Bell, which, okay, he does his own thing in Fear Factory. Pedro House, Apacus, uh, I don't know too much about. Drums on this by Dean Castronovo, who, I, I mean, that dude, I think he's incredible. You know, he's you know, most people know him nowadays for, for a journey, but man, what a, what a, you know, double weapon he is. I mean, he drums like a beast. He's got an incredible voice. And you hear... Uh, you hear him sing some of those Journey songs. I think he does better than Arnell. And Arnell does incredible. But uh, he does some really good drumming on this. I will say that. But it's like, you know, you can only do so much with the material given to you. And this is pretty much just the brainchild of, of Geezer and, and Pedro. And again, you don't know how much is, you know, is, is this mostly Pedro? And he talked Geezer into doing it, or is this mostly Geezer? I, I, I don't know, but uh, I'm not happy about the results. And the vocals on this, it goes from, like, all over the place to, you know, grunting and screaming to fucking, oh, like a, like a really bad uh, Peter Steele. Uh, I don't know, this song is all over the place, and it's way too long and plotting, especially as an opener. I think it's a horrible opener. Because you're already pissing people off right off the bat, you know? You should always say your first song should be, like, fucking killer that gets people in the mood and, uh... You know, like, you would never have a ballad as as your opener. You, you know, you should always have a good rock and, you know... Let's keep people's attentions. Not, let's not, like, oh, shit, okay, next. And that's what this song is to me, a big fucking next. What do you think? Oh, I, I don't dislike it as much as you, but the vocals do bother me. Um, some parts, the vocals don't bother me, but then he, he, he kind of sounds like Life of Agony at some point. Start doing that Life of Agony yeah. shit. Yeah. And, you know, he switches it up way too much, man. And, uh, but musically, I, I don't mind it. I think it's a good opener musically. It, it definitely sets, you know, the template of what you're about to hear for the rest of the album. Um, but I'll take the next one, which is my favorite song off the album. And I still have nothing bad to say about this. I mean, that was chugging riffs and Eric keeping his voice in one lane. I think it's killer. This to me has aged really well. Uh, I love Dry Boy Shooting. I think it's a fucking badass song. And they made a video for this song. So you can see it there. It's a pretty cool video too. It's, uh, it's a video where, um, by the way, there's a hurricane going over there at Ian's house. Um, <laughs> the, the video is pretty cool. It shows like, you know, because this song's about, you know, drive-by shootings. And 
it shows a boy in a morgue, you know, in a slab that's been shot, but he like, you know, he wakes up and he sits up with a tag on his toe. Pretty cool fucking video, I gotta say. Uh, and, and I dig the song a lot. I think it's awesome. What do you think? Uh, I'll have to check that out. I, I never saw the video. I didn't know they had one, uh, any video for this album. It's definitely better than the first song, but it's still not what I want from Geezer. Uh, you know, when you hear, you know, Geezer's going to do a solo, uh, you want to hear that bass, you know, up front, you know, just, you know, thunderous and, and prominent in the songs. And I don't think you hear the bass prominent at all through this album. Oh, I agree. Uh, you disagree? Okay. Yeah. Um, some songs coming up, man. Pretty sick bass playing, but go on. Okay. Uh, it kind of reminds me, I got all excited when, uh, I know you don't like it, but I, I'm a really big fan of Dave Navarro, uh, you know, particularly his guitar work with Jane's Addiction. And I just think he's a fantastic guitar player. And he did a solo album, and it was just like all over the place, and it wasn't like guitar based uh, at all. And I was like, "What the fuck?" You, you know. And that's kind of how I felt about this. I, I just I feel the bass is buried in the mix with the, you know, the, I, I think the the drums, guitar, and, and and vocals are much more prominent in a lot of this stuff than than the bass, but. But this song is light years ahead of the first one. But uh, I'll go to the next one. The song about Tony Iommi giving up the ghost. Yep. Holy shit, does this song suck. And, you know, not just because, like, you know, and I, oh, I, I don't like that he's talking shit about Tony Iommi. Uh, but I just think it, it's poorly written, uh, poorly sung. I, I think the lyrics are way too... Uh, you know, they're not clever. It's, it's just, it's so thinly veiled, you know exactly what he's talking about. And I think it should be a little bit more poetic. Uh, much better way to put it. But I, I just think this song really fucking blows. And this is the one I was most excited to hear. Because I was like, ooh, shit. You know, because uh, I remember articles that were coming out in magazines, you know, there was already talk about this song, you know, and it being an attack on Tony and shit like that. But, uh, God damn, if you're going to come at him, come at him with both guns, don't come at him with this limp shit. I think this song really sucks. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> ah, this song's okay. I don't really hate it. Um, but yeah, it's a total diss track to Tony, and uh, I read an interview back then where these are you know, saying stop this nonsense with Black Sabbath, and then he also said the only way I'd ever do Black Sabbath again is to get Ozzy and Bill, which he totally fucking changed his mind on that for 13 days. But yeah. uh, well, even be even before that, because if you remember, the original reunion for '97 Ozfest was Mike Borden on drums. Right. <clears throat> that was terrible. I saw that. Show. That was yeah. a really bad thing. You didn't like it. Oh my God! The way that guy played those Sabbath songs, I liked it. Oh man, I, I I don't think he did it any justice. He played it like him, and I just didn't like hearing somebody else with their take on how those songs would have been. Yeah, I was very disappointed in that. That was like the first time I got to see Ozzy and um, sorry, 
That was the first time I got to see Ozzy with Tony and Diesel. You know? uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's an okay song. But, yeah, it's like, uh, Caesar Butler's How Do You Sleep, you know? And, yeah, you're right. The, the lyrics are very blatant. You know, it's like you know exactly what he's saying, you know? There's no hiding that shit, you know? All right, the next song is Plastic Planet. And uh, I think the changes on this song are pretty abrupt. They don't bleed well into each other. And I think that's a shame because this song has some really killer riffs. And I think, dude, I mean, bro, you take out all the fucking instruments and just keep the drums. I think this is the sickest Dean Castronova performance because what he does on this album is fucking insane. You know, it's not, you know, it's hard to believe this guy was in bad English, you know, <laughs> much, much less bad uh, journey, but um, incredible drumming, man, on this song and this album really as a whole. But yeah, I think this song is a bit disjointed. It, it could have been way much better if uh, it just sounds like, you know, the changes are too abrupt and it doesn't, it's like, you know, a, a square peg in a, in a round hole. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's how I feel about it. Uh, well, I totally agree with you on, on Dean's drumming on this. And I, I think he's a prime example of a guy that, you know, he's played with so many people. Uh, but he's just never been able to create a band with somebody. He's like he's like Matt Sorum, but with talent. You yeah. know? I, I, you know, but he's played with about as many people as Matt Sorum. But where Matt Sorum is like one of the most boring drummers in the world, this guy's got a lot to offer. And like I said, you know, he, he can sing as well while he drums, and, and which, you know, it's, it's hard to do. Um, but yeah, the song overall, it, you're right about the mix mash, because to me it sounds like, you know, Bad Sepultura meets Bad Helmet meets Bad Fear Factory. And it goes through so many changes, but it's the worst aspect out of all these bands that, to my ears, it's trying to copy. Uh, but, same time, hey, Drummond's on point, but just, you know, they can't make the other shit work. Way too disjointed. Alright, I'll take the next one, The Invisible. Uh, holy shit. Would anybody listen to this for pleasure? <laughs> you know, that... You know, when I'm hearing this, I was like, God damn, I, I love me some Adam Marshall, but who would pick this? Like, you know, I have to listen to this because I was paid to. But even if I bought this album and I listened to it once, would I listen to it again? You know, how I, I just, man, I can see like buying it for the novelty factor of Geezer. But okay, oh, well, it's not good. Okay, I'm not going to listen to it again. And nice fucking rap here. Holy shit. You know, and that's... I'm dying laughing when I get to the rap part. I'm like, is that, you know, Geezer? Did Geezer write a rap? Or did Pedro Apacas write this rap? You know, what the fuck is this doing in there? And to me, it's like, wow. I mean, Geezer must have been, I would say, in his 40s at this time. Late 40s, maybe early 50s. Uh... You know, and it's like, you know, does he really feel a kinship with rap, or is this just... And to, to me, this album reeks of somebody desperately uh, trying to seem hip and cool. 
but having no fucking idea. You know, I, I think it would have been much better uh, if it just sounded like Sabbath. You know, I mean, he's such an important part of the Sabbath sound. There's no shame with sounding like Sabbath. Now, if you want to take it Sabbath and heavier, you know, that's cool. But I, I just think he's grabbing it like whatever he thinks kids are listening to. But that's what it sounds like to me. Like somebody, an old man trying to like, you know, act hip. And yeah, I'm down with what you kids listen to, but he's not really into it. So he doesn't know how to interpret it as well. Uh, yeah, this is a horrible fucking song. What do you think of it? Uh, I, uh, what were you saying earlier? I, you weren't like paying attention, but yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of the song. I, I definitely don't like the, the vocals, but my God, what Geezer does on this shit's awesome. I love the bass on this track. And what you were saying earlier too about oh, you know, I'm old, or I'm trying to get hip with the people. I got sucked into that because listening to this album today, it dawned on me. I was like. Man, the reason I dug it back then, it was like, look at Geezer, man, being real fucking heavy, you know? He ain't mellowing out. This shit's fucking brutal and heavy, you know? But now, since I haven't heard it in so long, and on my radio show, I would, I would play Drive-By Shooting here and there. But I, I never went back and listened to this album. But, <clears throat> but yeah, this song, uh, you know? I love the bass on it, but that's about it. I hate Eric's vocals on this one. Uh, uh, Burton, you mean? What did I say? Eric? <laughs> Isn't it Eric? Isn't no, it's Burton C. Bell. Oh, okay. Burton C. Bell. Um, Burton C. Nuts. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's something Holly loves. My wife, she loves the D. Nuts. Yeah. Burton C. C. <laughs> Burton C. C. DeVille. <laughs> Burton C. C. Uh, nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, what does it say on fiction? Is that the name of the next one? Oh yeah, how clever! Seance fiction. This is boring, but I get it. To add a song like this, uh, that won't be so heavy all the way through, but this one drags a bit. It goes nowhere for me. Uh, but I get it. How throwing this in there, in here instead of another pummeling track, it's one of those songs to catch your breath. But I understand why it's on here. And, and where it's on here on the album. But it just doesn't do anything for me. And, and mind you, I don't remember these tracks. It's been so long. What do you think? Uh, I, I just simply put, this is embarrassing. I, I thought this one was embarrassingly bad. Uh, and you brought you know the fact that it drags. It is the second longest track at five minutes and 55 seconds. And it's just like, oh God, of all the songs like drag out. Uh, you know, but I say that about the first one too, which is the longest, the six minutes and 10 seconds. It's like two of the most horrible tracks are the longest. So it makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah, fuck that song. Uh, then we'll go into the next song, House of Clouds. Holy shit. This one I think could be even worse. Someone saved me from this album. Uh, that, that, you know, someone saved me someone save me oh it's it's, it's fucking pathetic horrible track what do you think but i love this one. <laughs> oh my god yeah dude i think the drumming is fucking insane uh, someone save ralph <laughs> 
it's pretty straightforward track. It doesn't go all over the place, but there are little sections of vocals that bring it down a bit. Uh, but it doesn't last long enough to ruin it for me. I think the song slams. I think it's had a good killer riff, and I dig it. I dug House of Clouds, you know? All right, uh, the next one, Detective 27. I know you're not going to like this one. Uh, I already know it, because it has like a cheese factor to it. But I kind of like it. I think it's a pretty cool track. I like the mischief, uh, what is it? Uh, kind of like the, uh, it's got like a mischievous vibe to it. And again, Dean crushing it on the drums. Uh, Detective 27, yes, it's a weird kind of cheesy tune, but I kind of dig it. I don't think it's that bad. What do you think? Oh, God, the fucking Batman song. That's what that's what this is about. Batman. Oh, I know that. Yeah, uh, Detective 27 was uh, the first issue of the comic Detective something or other that Batman was in. And uh, if you listen to the lyrics, he's talking about the bat and all this. And uh, finally, a worse Batman than George Clooney. This fucking song. Oh my god. Yeah, Cheese Factor's right. Uh, here, here's Grandpa singing about fucking Batman, and uh, I, I'm not buying this one. Holy fuck, is this shit bad. Uh, I'll take the next one, X13. And I think this one is about Doctor Who. Which would make sense because Geezer's British and the British love him some fucking Doctor Who. Uh, I, I give up. I give up at this point uh, on the album. But you, you know what? This is probably the the least offensive to me so far. This this and Drive Boy Shooting, Drive By Boy Shooting, no, Drive Boy, Drive Drive Boy Shooting, whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah, this is probably the best song since then, uh, the least offensive to me. But again, I, I'll never, never listen to this fucking album again. But this, this one wasn't too bad. That's that's the best I can say. What do you think? Yeah, by this point, I'm really sick of this guy's voice. <laughs> but I like it musically, but man, he, he really ruins it. Because it's a perfectly crushing song to my ears, but he really brings it down. Um, all right, Skyclone, the next one. Cyclone. Yeah, that's what I said, Cyclone. Okay. What'd you think I said? Skyclone. Yeah, that's my list. Okay, bye. Um, the, again, the bass on this track is insane. And I actually like Eric's delivery on this song. I like this one. It's not Eric. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's Burton. C.C. DeVille. Burn C.C. DeVille, yeah, you're right. You're right. Burn C.C. DeVille. Eric. <laughs> Eric R. on CP. <laughs> I'd rather hear him sing than this shit. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. I, I hope you meet this guy sometime. Like, hey, Eric. Hey, Eric. Uh, hey, sign this for me. Hey, why, why, you didn't sign it, Eric. Who the fuck's Burton? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want Eric to sign this. What, did you change your name? Are you a transcestical now? Want to suck my dick? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm into that now. <laughs> well, I mean, in my defense, I have not had a tranny suck me off yet. Jury's out. I may not like it. <laughs> yeah, but but you are willing to learn. I'm trans. <laughs> I'm totally trans-curious. Yeah, will they send you somewhere special for that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, South Beach. There's a lot of hot ones there. 
Hey, <laughs> you remember that though? And it, it strikes when they ask when they're doing the test, and they're like, "Are you or have you ever been a homosexual?" No, but I am willing to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They sent us somewhere special for that. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, did you talk about Cyclone? Yeah, uh, let me talk about it. Uh, whatever. What the fuck ever. At this point, I, I just want this shit to be done. I was so mad. Uh, my computer crashed while I was listening to this song, and, and it, like right as it started, there was a fuck up, and I was like. Oh, finally, the last song. And then the shit fucked up. I had to restart everything. And then I realized there was one more after this. I was like, motherfucker. Uh, you know, it just, it's another, like, what the fuck? What the, what the fuck? But I'm going to make you, goddamn, I'm, I'm not going to make you get a, your dick sucked by a man in a dress. But I will make you listen to the second album, Black Science see if you like that better or not. It's, something tells me you'll probably hate that one. Well, I, I like it more than this shit. I promise I will listen to it if you can get me a tranny and suck me off. Alright, I'll see what I can do. Alright. I, I do I do know a lot of chicks with dicks here in New Orleans. So. Yeah, but they gotta be attractive. Though. They can't have stuff. They can't oh, have... All these demands. All these demands. Ah, man, I don't want no fucking transsexual looking like Mark Allen Taylor. <laughs> I got a good friend who's a drag queen and he dresses up as a nun but he you can tell he's a boy yeah no I, if, long, if I can tell it's a boy I don't want it alright all right. well then you're gonna have to give me some fucking time alright alright uh why don't you take the last song there circle or cycle of 60 um this one mellows out again and to me it's not as offensive as uh what was the other one Sa- uh, seance fiction yeah. Uh, it's okay. I, I didn't really hate this one. But maybe it's also like, all right, it's the last song. You know, I'm like, happy I'm done with it. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, I dug it. I, it wasn't bad. I liked it. All right. Well, I, I got to say, I, you know, as pissed off as I was to find out there was another song, uh, I welcome this. I think Eric slash Chuck Charles Burton C. CD's Nuts DeVille. Uh, (laughs) RMCP uh, (laughs) Elemental P uh, Sounds great on this one I I really think like He's got a nice natural singing voice And I think this is something sorely Missing from this album which is variety Which is what uh, Another reason you know not only Overall do I like the vocalist Clark Brown Who sings on the next album Or you could just call him Eric uh, You know do I think he's better Than Burton Uh I like the variety on that record. There's much more peaks and valleys and different types of songs. Um, but this one, I couldn't shit on it. I, this was a welcome fucking change. Yeah, there's mellow, almost like a Planet Caravan kind of, you know, weirdness to this song. And it, it sticks out in the sound like a sore thumb. But, I, you know, I think it's horrible placing. You know, instead of saving this for the last song... Uh, you know, this this could have like you know peppered the fucking middle and save save a harder track or a better track for the last one. Uh, horrible placement. Can't bitch about the song though. Uh, I would say definitely top three in this album, even though that's not saying much. I think there's three songs that I almost liked, um, but this would be one of them. So there you go. That is our review of GZR or. 
let me see how the fuck did uh, geezer say you say it? gzr what the fuck smoke some more fucking weed there um you're not french yeah yeah th- yeah this is some french shit uh this was released october 26th 1995 uh released on tvt records which uh very short-lived out uh record label i believe the first uh the first nine inch nails and the ep were on that before Trent Reznor was in a big long um, lawsuit with this company. They're no longer around, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Not what I want out of Geezer, man. Uh, I would expect it much more just in every department, except that, you know, I can't bitch about Dean's Drummond, but other than that, uh, what a letdown. But I do recommend if you like this, or e- even if you don't like it, uh, you know, check out Black Science. And uh, I, I was so, uh, actually, I should say I love the album, but, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was much better than what I heard off of this that I pre-ordered when they finally did a third GZR album and got it signed. Uh, you know, I got a signed copy from Deezer. And from what I remember, it was horrible. I listened to it once. You know, of course, I still have it because it's signed by Deezer. Supposedly, who knows when you order shit like that, you know, but... Supposedly, I got Geezer's signature on it. Um, but yeah, it was fucking terrible. But I, I wish he would do something, because he is just such a fucking mega talent. And I was so disappointed. Uh, that last band that he was in, did you remember that shit he did with Matt Sorum and Steve Stevens? Oh, it was terrible. Oh, it was so bad. I'm like, really? And then it just, you know, I think it was right before COVID. And then, like, you know, nobody bothered going back to it. Because it was. It was fucking horrible. It's like, you know, you're geezer butler. Have some fucking self-respect. But, you know, God, you, you look at what everybody in fucking Sabbath's done. Uh, self-respect ain't, uh, you know, plentiful. Uh, you know, I, I I think Tony had the best solo career, you know. Well, I mean, other, you can't take away early Ozzy. But uh, I really enjoyed... The Glenn Hughes albums with Tony Iommi, and I, I even liked the the Iommi album with all the different singers. I thought it was a very good album. I still listen to. Um, I love know, Bill Ward One. Bill Ward One is a to me is an incredible album. It's very different. I, I got I, I to give it another listen. Um, it's, you know, it's I, weird. It's a weird album, but I love it. I, I love you know the song the Bomb Doors Open or whatever it does yeah, with Bob, Ozzy. Open Bombay. Yeah, I, I love that one. And he put out one a couple years ago called uh, Something Beats or Beast or some shit like that. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, I listened to like one or two tracks. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit, you know? And of course, Ozzy hasn't done anything worth a shit in fucking 50 fucking years. But uh, yeah, and there you go. That's our, uh, that's our fucking review. Now, sing your song, Trainee Lover. Uh, Hold on. Trainee Lover. Is that a Penny Lover by Lionel Richie? Trainee Lover. Alright. Sing it. Hello. (laughs) Are you the tranny I'm looking for? I can see it in your pants. That Adam's apple in your throat. (laughs) Let me make that 
Adam's apple bowls with my kick. <laughs> and it's the only time that it's cool to say in it before Ralph. Not really that cool, but whatever. Whatever the fuck. Pick of the week. <laughs> All right. And uh, I've got multiple picks of the week this week. I'm going to buy you some time here. Um, first and foremost, I would say if there's anything about this episode that interests you as far as the uh, geezer, the G-zitter uh, album, I would say check out Black Science. Uh, definitely leave that third album alone. Um it still might not be your cup of tea, but I think Black Science has a lot more variety, and it, it's much more interesting to me musically. Definitely a better singer. Um, again, again, far from perfect, but I, I think it's worth a listen. So check out. I think they they changed it uh, on that album. They went by Geezer. It's just spelled Geezer, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and the album's Black Science. And then the third album, they went back to the GZR shit. Well, uh, my pick of the week is what I discussed earlier, uh, Bill Ward's Ward 1. It's an eclectic album. It's uh, very all over the place. Some songs are kind of Pink Floyd-ish. Some songs are pretty fast and heavy. And some songs are very dreamy. state. It's a very odd album. And a very odd album cover. Well, as yeah. I understand, that, that album cover was like out of print real quick. They changed Horrible that album cover. cover. <laughs> I, I, I have that original CD. I would love to have that on mine. The one with him with the drum? Yeah, you know. On his back? Yeah, a bunch of pictures of him, different pictures of him. Yeah, one, he has the drum and little, I think one of him as a priest. And, you know, it's little pictures of him. Kind of like that that Elvis album, uh, 100 Million Fans Can't Be Wrong. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Bullshit. Kind of different version. Yeah, that, that was... I remember, I can't remember exactly what the uh, other cover was, but I know that cover, the record company like changed it quick because they didn't think it was appealing. Yeah, yeah I don't think it is either, but fuck no. it, what's in it, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's got a lot of guest stars, Zach Wilde's on it, Ozzy, I believe Tony's on song, I could be wrong, but uh, Jack Bruce is on it. From yeah. Queen. Uh, it's a very eclectic album, but I really dig it. I, I put it on from time to time and enjoy it from beginning to end, but don't expect, you know, a, a, an even flow on this album. It's all yeah. over the fucking place. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've even heard it in its entirety, but I, I do really love the track with Ozzy. I thought it was really good. That's my favorite track, and there's a track on there called Sweet that's just fucking awesome, where Bill's going off on the drums. And all right, well, I'll check that. Does he play drums on it? Yes. Because I, I know his last album, he didn't even play drums. I was really uh, disappointed. Yeah, back then, he's a, I mean, Bill could still play, man. He plays really good on this album. Uh, well, so I will check that out. That's my pick of the week. Awesome. Well, now it's time to go into fan of the week, and it is the one, the only Adam Marshall. Yeah. God damn, do I love this guy. Uh... Just a sweetheart of a guy, uh, been on the page forever, you know, never, never swayed, has always been there, uh, always checks out the episodes, always comments, uh, yeah. loves his weed. <laughs> I remember a post, who knows, you probably get in trouble on Facebook now for this, but uh, he put hi Ian, He's, he, he broke up a whole bag of weed and spelled hi Ian. 
No. I'll post it, post it on the page and I saved that picture. I love it. Uh, just a really, really good dude. And uh, just, and I, I just love our, I love all our fans for the most part. Uh, there's just something about the Australian ones, man. I just, I want to go there so bad and fucking get so drunk I'd eat a Vegemite sandwich, you know, and fucking box a kangaroo. I'll do it too. I don't give a fuck. You know, uh, but I, I I love these guys, and I, I just love how Australia's embraced our ass. It's probably I I think our number three market after Canada, you know, in the U.S. of course, and we got a lot of overseas listeners, and I and I love them all. But man, just something about Australian guys love our love our fucking show, you know. Hey, speaking of trainees, what about uh, T.J. James? <laughs> you see, I, you know I, what I was saying earlier. Uh, well, <laughs> T.J. James looks like a dude, though. Yeah, he does. And yeah, and, he does. And, and he likes Motley Crue. That that right there, you know. Uh, I mean, no, no, it's not that he likes Motley Crue. He thinks they have never done a bad song. Like he loves Brandon and First Band on the Moon. I mean, that guy is like mental. Um, right. But T.J. Like, put on a wig and gussy it up a little bit. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, dress like a tranny and then find hot trannies for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, dude, I got to tell you, man, I love Adam so much. I made him the administrator at the Eternal Idols page. He's oh, the- I remember that because, yeah, yeah, man, he he kept, he did more with that page than you did. Yeah, and he's still there. He's still doing it. You know, posting and, and fucking... Uh... Yeah, dude, he's just a fucking stand-up guy. Definitely, I would say top five easy uh, of our uh, listeners. And, and as far as Australians go, yeah, Adam Marshall, T.J. James, and then I know there's another one, Michael Lynch. Yeah, Michael Lynch. Those three. Yeah. I mean, I may be forgetting a few, but I know there's a few in Australia that are complete douchebags. That listen to us. <laughs> I mean, complete douchebag. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't even think Paul Hogan listens to the show anymore. Nah, they, they, they're they're worse than him. Mm. But uh, but Adam, love that dude. That dude's awesome. Yeah, you uh, you I, I feel so bad that you know I, I shit all over this album, you know, and me and him have so much in common in tastes. Uh, you know, so much stuff we like, and I know a lot of it's stuff, um, you know, you don't like, you know, like we, we love our, our Janes and our Faith No More and shit like that, and, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know about this, and then he's got another pick coming up, which we'll leave as a surprise, but, uh, I don't know, I think you might like it, but, uh, I, I don't know if it'd be in my wheelhouse, but whatever, man, he paid for it, we'll do it. Um, but man, I, I just, I love this guy to fucking death. Yep, one, one of the best. Me too. Love him. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this show, come back next week when we take a break from the fans and we do one for us. And it's kind of related to this episode because it's Black fucking Sabbath. Yeah. But believe it or not, you know, here, here's the thing. There's so many albums think about it we're, we're over 300 episodes strong on this show and there's still so many fucking classic albums that we haven't touched 
and we're going to touch one of them, and we're going to fucking touch it hard next week. We're going to touch the third album from Black Sabbath, Masters of Reality. Yeah, we're going to molest it, and then that album's going to go, and then to some school, and the school's going to say, where did they touch you? Yeah, yeah. Won't be no cry for me next week, that's for goddamn sure. Hell yeah. But come back and find out just how hard we love that album. That'll be next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Motley Crue will give you cerebral palsy. That's true. That's true. You did it in Australia. That's the goddamn thing.